Before I minister tonight, I, the Lord just put something on my heart, and I, I want it to come out the way that he wants it to. And I know you do too, otherwise you'll be bored. So, <laughs> Father, we just thank you for your word. Your precious word, it is so powerful. Lord, it's a very part of you, and it is life. And we expect to receive from your word tonight. And Holy Spirit, I know that you're in this place. You're in each one of us, but you're also among us. To teach us, to lead us into truth, to show us all things, to manifest yourself in whatever way we need it. Holy Spirit, I expect you to give me utterance tonight. That everything that I say will come from the heart of God that has been relayed to you and you relay it to me. So I then will, will, will relay it to your people. So I thank you for that anointing tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So the theme that we have been having for some time is, you know, I would, it would not be right of me not to address what God is doing in the earth today. So that's been our theme. We've been talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about uh, what's the revival that's been happening across our nation. I keep hearing more and more and more that God is doing. And I just read uh, this week, uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Paul Dowdery. He uh, is pastor of Victory, um, it's just Victory, not Victory Center, Victory Christian Center, I believe it is, in Tulsa. And uh, they named their church after us. But uh, <laughs> actually, we did know his father and his mother very well, uh, Sharon and, and Billy Joe Dowdery. And, um, but Paul is pastoring that big church right now. And he relates that on Saturday night, they have a Saturday night service, and then they have a Sunday morning service, their Saturday night service, God just came down, and he didn't get to preach his sermon, but God began to move among their midst and continued to move. I don't know if they closed down for the night, but the next morning it was the same, and it's been going since Saturday. And so uh, that's just one thing that's happening in Tulsa because there is an outbreak of the Holy Spirit in ORU as well. And across the nation. You know, we could spend the rest of the evening talking about what God is doing in our country. And this is what we've been praying for. We've been praying for this. We've been expecting it to the best of our ability. But, you know, when God spoke to me about it, he said, you have been praying for years with very little expectation. And I knew that. You know, we thought it would be way out there and maybe, you know, someday we would see the move of God. And we've been, you know, it has been prophesied over and over and over that there would be a worldwide outpouring of the Holy Spirit just before Jesus comes back for his church. And Bob Jones, a, a well-known prophet who is now in heaven, prophesied that um, there would be a billion-soul revival before Jesus came back. So I believe that's beginning. I, I've heard of uh, 
tremendous, tremendous outpourings of the Holy Spirit in different parts of the world. And it's going on here in the United States. So, you know what? We are not going to be left out. Because there are people in our realm of influence that do not know Jesus. And unless they get their lives straightened up and accept Jesus as their Savior, they're going to go to hell. That's just the bottom line. And we don't want that. God doesn't want that. And so an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our midst means that people are going to be born again. I truly believe that people are going to be healed as well, delivered, filled with the Spirit, like the book of Acts. I really believe that's what it's going to look like. And I have had two in just this last, oh, two or three weeks, two miraculous healings. I prayed for a lady after church here one morning, uh, on a Sunday morning. She had a growth in her uh, throat that kept her from being able to eat solid food. And she just was on liquids. And I prayed for her. She said she went home and she ate solid food all day long with no problem. So that's one. And then I just had a phone call this afternoon. And I don't know if Sarah is watching but uh, from Michigan, but I, we had prayed, our prayer group had prayed for her on Saturday. She was in excruciating pain and had been struggling with a terrible pain. And the diagnosis that the doctor had given was not good. And uh, she was, she was very, having a very bad time. And she called me this evening and she said after she found out that we had prayed, she said there was just a peace that settled down upon her. Said she went to sleep and she woke up the next morning feeling fine. And now the Lord is showing her how, has given her a path to be able to discover what's really going on, which is not what the doctors are saying. So anyway, she was excited. I was excited. And I think, you know, that's what we're here for. We're just not wanting some kind of good feeling when we're talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't want just goosebumps. And we may have a few. But we want results. We want the supernatural. And the supernatural means that God is super over the natural. And we have his power and his grace instead of just what's going on in the natural. And that's what we're expecting. So I want to start tonight with Zechariah 10.1. I had been talk, we had been uh, reading in Acts 2 where Peter got up and he talked about, he said, this is the beginning. When, whenever they were all, you know, filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came. They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke in, all of them spoke in tongues. They were pretty excited because actually by the time they got out of the upper room, people were saying they were drunk. So there was something going on in these people's lives that was outwardly manifested to people that saw them. And so Peter got up and he said, uh, we're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. This is the beginning. And then the very next sentence that he said is, he said in the latter days. So that, that would be the ending 
in the latter days that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh, the sons and daughters will prophesy, the young men will see visions, and the old men will dream dreams. So, uh, and, and it goes on. So we've been talking about that. He says, he talks about the early rain and the latter rain. So in Zechariah 10, this is our response because this is what's going on right now. I believe it's the latter rain. It may be the last of the latter rain because I believe that maybe it started more back in 1970s. Because I just heard, uh, I was listening to something by Lester Summerall, if you don't know who he is. He, he was kind of one of our mentors when we came in in the 70s, but he, he was a great missionary, great man. Um, he's the one that, I mean, he had a great deliverance ministry. I won't go into all that. But he spent a lot of time with Smith Wigglesworth. Now, you all probably are familiar with Smith Wigglesworth. But he went to visit him many times. And the last time he went, because he was, uh, he was going to have to leave the country, the last time he went, this was in England, this is where Smith Wigglesworth lived, he went to see him and uh, Smith Wigglesworth began to cry and weep because this is the last time they were going to be together. And he began to pray for him and bless Lester Summerall. And he, then he stopped and he said, I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing something and he began to go into a vision, and he saw, he said, I'm seeing that just before Jesus comes back, that there will be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that it will be like in the book of Acts. And he said, then, then Smith Wigglesworth said to Lester Summerall, I won't be here, but you will. And uh, so I'm believing that probably it started in the 1970s. It has... It has taken many different turns because we had to have the move of the, of the word of faith come forth, teaching and foundation to come into it. I believe that was the part of the outpouring. And now we've heard prophecies where it said that in the last days, just before Jesus comes back, there will be a uniting of the, the word of God and the spirit. And that's what I think we're seeing now. There is a, a, a marrying of everything that will keep us strong and help us to do those exploits that Jesus said that we're going to do. So this is our response. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of latter or spring rain. It is the Lord who makes lightnings, which ushers in the rain and gives men showers and grass to everyone in the field. Leave that up there for just a minute. So when we look at this, we see our response and God's response. Our obligations in the time of rain and God's. The interesting thing is God will not do our part and we can't do God's part. So our part is to ask. Ask of the Lord. So what is asking of the Lord? That means prayer, praying. Ask of the Lord for rain in the time of latter rain. And then the Lord is the one that's going to give it to us. We can't make it happen. We can't work up enough emotionalism to make it happen. And I'm blessed God, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to do what God tells me to do, and he's going to do his part. 
So we're going to do our part, which is ask the Lord in the time of it, for rain in the time of latter rain. Why is it so important that we ask? I mean, isn't God sovereign? And doesn't he want everybody to have the rain? And so he just kind of uh, sends them here and sends them there. What, if we think that way, we don't realize God's ways. And I, I just jotted this down. Prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. That would be something good to put on your refrigerator. Prayer is our earthly license. We ask of the Lord. If we don't ask, God's not going to do it. Even if he promised, we have got to initiate it according to what God has done when he made Jesus Christ and gave him all authority. And Jesus said, I give you authority now. And he told his disciples in Matthew 16, he says, I give unto you the keys. Whatever you bind will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavenlies. Who has the initiative? We have the initiative. So our response should be, ask of the Lord for rain in the time of latter rain. So I want, to turn, I want you to turn with me to James, the fifth chapter. <coughs> uh, I want to get, start with, a, this is familiar. You know, what I'm teaching tonight is nothing brand new. I just want to stir you up because I know that it's not just one person that's supposed to ask. We all need to ask for the same thing to get what God has promised us. So in James, the uh, fifth chapter, we see uh, some information about prayer. Now, I know Clay taught on prayer last Wednesday night and uh, kind of set the stage for what I want to teach tonight. I don't know why people don't pray. It's hard to get people to come out and pray. I, I don't know that that's a bad confession. That's just a fact. I don't know why people are not drawn to prayer. And probably because they are not aware of really how powerful prayer is. It is more, it's honestly prayer is the most powerful force in the earth. Because it opens the door for all of the power, and everything that is in heaven to come down here on this earth. And there is so much available to us. So I'm going to start at the last part of um, verse 16. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available Dynamic in its working. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and constitution just like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain. And no rain fell on the earth for three, 
months, three and a half months, or three years, excuse me, for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. So we get a clue about what powerful prayer is looking at Elijah. Now I went back and looked at this incident in 1 Kings. It's in the 18th chapter. And we know that uh, God had said now, you know, collect all of the prophets of Baal. And, and he went through all the ceremony of building an altar. And they tried to get their God to answer. And God answered with fire. And it was just, you know, God, they, he, was, he began to cleanse the land. And, and showed how powerful God was because he came down with fire, licked up all the water. And then uh, he says, now... I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So, so you would think that that was all, be all that there would be to it. But that wasn't all there was to it. God had spoken that he was going to send the rain. And then uh, Elijah made his confession. There is an abundance of rain. But the next thing he did was kind of interesting. He began to pray. Now, it wasn't just any old prayer. It wasn't just a half-hearted prayer. In fact, if you go back to that incident, you'll find that he bowed himself down on the earth, put his face between his knees. Now, let's just picture that for just a minute. Is that a sign of a half-hearted anything? To me, that would be heartfelt to me that would say that he was desperate and he was a lot younger than I am because I mean he was he was bowing on the earth and putting his head beneath his between his knees how many of you can do that I'm not going to have you demonstrate it tonight but and I thought about it, but I didn't try it at home. But he was desperate. So this is a heartfelt prayer. We talked about desperation in prayer on Sunday. This was heartfelt. And it was uh, continued because he didn't just do this once. He did it seven times. Do you know what he was saying? I will not be denied. Bless God. I will not be denied. God said it. I will see it happen. Period. If I have to do gymnastics, whatever you call that, I am going to get rain. And then his servant finally came back on the seventh time. He would have gone 20 times, I'm sure. 30, however many times, until he saw that cloud. And when he saw the cloud, he says, that's it. And the rain came. It says it wasn't very long until the whole sky was filled with clouds and it began to rain. So in this day, when we are expecting the rain from heaven, we need to realize that we, are, we must be heartfelt 
and the prayer must continue till we see it done. And then that makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working. We do the asking, God sends the power. That's what prayer does. Prayer is powerful. When you pray, when somebody says, would you pray for me? Don't just pray half-hearted. When you pray, see that person before the throne of God. Expect God to hear your prayers. And don't stop till you know that he's heard you. Because the Bible tells us if we know that, you've, that God has heard us, and the way we know is if we prayed according to his will, then we know he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. That's in First John 5, 14, 15, I think. I didn't look that up. So I want to share with you uh, something that I've shared many times, but just to remind you of how Jesus looks at prayer. So this is, a, this is the vision that Kevin Zadiah had in 1992, that he had, he had dental surgery. In the middle of the dental surgery, he died. And uh, Jesus appeared to him after he had left his body. And this is just a small portion of what happened during that time. But Jesus said to him, there is one most supernatural thing you can do to move you into the supernatural realm, but most don't do it. Beyond anything you can do on this earth is to yield to the Spirit of God by bringing forth an utterance called speaking in tongues. If you pray in the Spirit and speak out the mysteries of God into this realm, the spiritual realm will become so close to you that you will begin to operate in the spiritual realm here on earth. And then he said, prayer is powerful. He took Kevin to New Mexico above a missile range test facility. Jesus told him to start praying in the spirit. As he did, Jesus pointed and said, now watch. Kevin said, I saw an explosion like an atomic bomb detonation that had gone off. A big plume went into the air and was red and powerful. Jesus said, most Christians are looking for the spectacular like the cloud, looking to see evidence that their prayers are working. But the supernatural is the shock wave that is traveling along the ground. Shock waves went out for about 30 miles knocking everything over. He said, when your prayers are effective, they are moving mountains out of the way. You should never give up. People give up because they look for a sign that it's working. Demonic activity keeps them from praying many times. You should never stop praying because you will get your answer. Now, that was Jesus speaking. How powerful prayer is. I've thought about that many times when I've been praying in the spirit. I think, you know, I can't see what's happening. But I do know that what's going on is powerful. And I'm, remember, I'm reminded of, uh, I don't know if you were there, Debbie. When we, uh, 
when in intercessory prayer, uh, when the North Koreans were threatening to set off a nuclear bomb, and everybody was just like, oh my goodness, you know, it's, this could be it. And, and they were all nervous and scared. And, and um, that day we, we decided we were going to pray for North Korea. And immediately when we started praying, the tongue that I was praying in changed to uh, a um, kind of an Asia. Uh, yeah, oriental is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, an oriental tongue. I recognized it as an oriental tongue. I didn't know what I was saying, but that went on for maybe 10 minutes. I'm not sure how long. It was just, I mean, it was supernatural. I was just sitting, I was sitting back listening to myself pray in some oriental language. And when it was over, I knew something had happened. Something had happened. And that is the last that I remember hearing in the news about the bomb, about North Korea. After that, it seemed like they just became our friends. And, uh, of course, we had a good president then. But uh, I, it was amazing. And I realized that something had taken place that day in Guymon, Oklahoma, that had affected the world. Now, maybe somebody else was praying too. I don't know. They probably were, but God was here. And uh, in Romans, the 8th chapter, um, the 26th verse, put this up in the Amplified, please, uh, starting in the verse 26. So to the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplications and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Um, according to P.C. Nelson, that word groanings actually means groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. So that's not in our known language. And I've experienced those groanings before. Sometimes they call it travail. And I think uh, Clay mentioned that last week. He said he'd never travailed. I have. Years ago, I know we were in intercessory prayer, and I had made the request to pray for my brother. He was, he was in and out of drugs. He was just, he was a mess. I hope he's not listening. Um, but I was just, I was, I, I all of a sudden got a burden for him. And I have to say this, that travail is not something you work up. It's something that happens by the Holy Spirit. And I began to cry and moan and groan and intercede for my brother. And it was not very long after that that his life started to turn around. Today he's serving the Lord. He's the happiest he's ever been. He and I have a wonderful relationship. And uh, I just remember back that day. I believe that there was a turning point in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit did something through me because I was available to turn something around. So could you put that up in the, um, the TPT?
And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailties to empower us in our weakness. Now, the weakness is this. We don't know how to pray. For example, at times, we don't even know how to pray or know the best thing to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Uh, this, use, this uses the word emotional sighs. The other used the word groanings. And I, I'll just have to repeat this. I know some of you have already heard me share this, but Roy Hicks uh, was talking to a Greek scholar, one of the few Greek scholars that knew the, the Greek that the Bible was written in. This is the ancient Greek. And uh, he asked him about this scripture, and he said, the, the scholar said, this word groanings actually means God talk. And so in, uh, if we went on to these other verses that follow that, verse in Romans the 8th chapter we would see that it's the Holy Spirit within us talking to God himself so they're talking together when you're speak when you're praying in the spirit it's the Holy Spirit praying through you talking to God with God talk on his level with all the knowledge that God has of that situation and I know the Lord showed that to me this way. It's, it was kind of humorous. And I've, I've told you this before, but some of you haven't heard it. But when, when Quentin, my, old, my young, oldest child, was like two, maybe, two years old, we lived, uh, we lived 20 miles out of town on a ranch. And he was just learning to talk, cute as he could be. And we would go all the way into town, and er he would point to everything he'd catch his eye. What's that? And I would say, it's a cow. And he'd say, why? And he'd say, what's that? And I said, that's a telephone pole. And he'd say, why? And all the way in town and all the way back, it was, what's that and why? And when I got home, it's like, I want some adult conversation. Now, Quentin thought that he was really carrying on a wonderful com conversation, but it was on his age group. It's on his age level. But I needed a little higher conversation that made sense. And sometimes, I think that's why the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit and so we could speak in tongues because we're speaking to God on his level. A God level with God talk. And so we can pray things that we don't know that we're praying. It's a powerful prayer according to Jesus. So um, turn with me to Jude, the 20th verse. But you, beloved, build yourself up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice higher and higher, doing what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. So uh, why is that so important? It's because praying in the Holy Spirit 
enriches your faith. Now, what overcomes the world? Anything that's in this world, what does the Bible say overcomes it? It says faith overcomes the world. So anything in your life that you're struggling with, if you can get your faith enriched to a certain level, it has so much power that it can destroy whatever is stopping you. I, I ran across some information about uranium-235. Have any of you ever heard of uranium-235? Well, it's used to make nuclear power. And once it is enriched, it can be extremely powerful. One pound of highly enriched uranium-235 can power a nuclear submarine or an aircraft carrier for 25 years. And it is equal to about a million gallons of gasoline. <clears throat> so one pound of uranium is smaller than a baseball. And a million gallons of gasoline would fill a container as tall as a five-story building. So when uranium is enriched 2 to 3%, it can be used for electricity. However, when uranium is enriched to 90%, it has explosive amounts of power. So just as uranium can be enriched, your faith can be enriched by praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, um, I don't know if I have time to finish what I was going to, but in, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, starting in verse 40, do you remember in the garden? Now, I kind of talked about this on Sunday. In the garden, when Jesus was praying, this was a very critical hour for Jesus. And interestingly enough, he spent this time in prayer. And he had told his disciples, watch with me. What does that mean? He meant, pray with me. I need you to pray. But they were sleepy. And so he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Are you so utterly unable to stay awake and keep watch with me for one hour? All of you must keep awake. Give strict attention, be cautious and active and watch and pray that you might not come into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So keep that up there for just a minute. I talked Sunday about the three things that can keep us from being desperate for God. The first is we don't have a spiritual appetite. The second is lukewarmness. And the third is that we are asleep. Now, according to this passage, people, <clears throat> people that are asleep need to wake up and pray. So a sign of being asleep is a very low prayer life or a not a prayer life at all. And Jesus is saying, listen, we're getting ready to enter into a time when there's going to be great temptations and your spirit 
may say, yeah, I really would like to pray. And you may decide, well, I think I'll get up in the morning and pray. But your flesh is very weak. Do you know your flesh is lazy? And your flesh will say, oh, this bed feels so good. I think I'll wait till tomorrow and pray. And your flesh is weak. Jesus is saying, yeah, your spirit would like to do spiritual things, but your flesh will not encourage you to do spiritual things. And we just read how powerful prayer is, and yet we allow our flesh to dictate to us what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Um, I just wrote this down. I don't think I came up with this, but if I did, good for me. But I think I might have heard somebody else say this. If we don't pray, we become prey for our enemy. If we don't pray, P-R-A-Y, we become P-R-E-Y for our enemy. So a person that has little or no prayer life becomes lukewarm and has no appetite for spiritual things. So um, I want to look at, I think I'll go ahead and read Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Um, because the Lord just brought this up as I was studying last night, and um, I thought, you know, this is a picture of someone that has an intimate relationship with God. They have a good prayer life. They know what the Word says. They meditate on the Word. And so it says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sat down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. But, but, his delight and his desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings, and we could say, with an intimate relationship with God, he, he habitually meditates, he ponders, he studies by day and by night. It's a habit to him. Then, this is what's going to happen. He shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Now, what happened? Leave that up there for just a minute. What happened to the disciples when they did not pray? They were unable to handle the adversity that came. They scattered. I mean, they, they went into hiding. You would have never known that they were followers of Jesus. Why? Because they didn't keep themselves built up. But this man, all the time, or woman, all the time, is doing spiritual things. And you can be that way. Yeah, you got it. there's natural things that we do. But it, 
we can be in a spiritual tone all the time. I can tell you, you can sense the Holy Spirit all the time. Whether you're doing something secular, whether you're doing your job, you can still sense the Holy Spirit. And it says you're going to prosper if you do this. You're going you're to enjoy fruit in your life. I mean, that's worth a lot in this day and hour. So I want to end with a, a couple of scriptures. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 7 in the TPT, please. Since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. That's what it takes. Intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled to give yourself to prayer. Then look at uh, Romans, uh, the 13th chapter, starting verse 11. Besides this, know that what a critical hour this is. How it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep. Rouse to reality for salvation. The final deliverance, that's what we're looking for. It's nearer to us now than when we first believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ, the Messiah. I'm going to just I'm going to go to the Message Bible uh, in this same verse, uh, verse starting in verse 11, and we'll read through the 14th verse. But make sure that you don't get absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day by day obligations, that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is oh, about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake. So what God is to what God is doing. God is putting the finish, finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. I believe that's a Good advice for us today. So my challenge for us here at Victory Center is to develop corporate prayer life and to develop each one of you to develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. Every one of you have the opportunity to be a prayer warrior. It's not just an intercessor. We're all intercessors, all of us. So uh, just for your information, starting in, on March the 20th uh, until Easter, we're going to open the church at noon every day, Monday through Friday, for an hour from 12 to 1 for people to come in and pray for our for Open it up for prayer. 
It will not be an organized prayer time. You may be able to come for just a little bit. Maybe you can come the whole hour. But you will pray. Nobody's going to lead you in prayer. You will pray. We are going to pray. And we're going to open this up because we want prayer to go forth from this place. And this is what the Lord laid on my heart to do. I believe that people will, all of you will take advantage of it. You may not be able to come every day, but you can come some, maybe. And if you can't, you can pray in your home from 12 to 1. This would be a good time for you to set apart. You say, but I'm eating lunch then. Hmm, maybe you could wait till 1 o'clock to eat lunch. I don't know, or fast. Just a thought. But uh, prayer is the key. Prayer is always the starting point for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of latter rain. We're going to ask. Stand with me. I'm ready. I'll tell you what. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. If you ever one time experience the presence of the Lord in a manifested way, it is addictive. You know, it's nothing like it. You're experiencing the very atmosphere of heaven. And that's what God wants in our lives. He wants us to experience that. So, Father, as we've been thinking about prayer this evening, I know that you've challenged us to enter into a time where it becomes priority in our life. It's important to us and it's important to you that we present ourselves in prayer to you. And Lord, we do know that in that process, we will be changed from glory to glory. Father, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that you stir us up. Stir us up in prayer. Father, we know that you accept our prayers. You do hear our prayers. We're not just speaking into the air. But you do hear our prayers. And that's what's so important for us to know. You're listening. You're pleased. And we don't have to be perfect. According to the scripture we read, it says the righteous man, not the perfect man. The righteous person, the one that's in right standing with God, the one that you have forgiven them and cleansed them, and they've made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Those are the ones whose prayers are very, very, very important. So, Father, we just want you to know how much we love you, how much we're expecting you to do what you promised you would do in Zechariah 10.1. As we pray, you will make the lightnings from heaven. And Father, we will have that refreshing from on high. 
And we praise you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And Father, as we go our way, we are very much aware that the angels of the Lord are round about us to protect us and keep us in all our ways. To lift us up lest we dash our foot against a stone. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Because we are in that secret place of the Most High. And we honor you, Father, in that place. In that secret, intimate place. How privileged we are to be there with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And Father, I ask that these that, are, that make the effort to set apart a time for their prayer life, that you will tangibly meet them there. Speak to them. Speak to them, Lord. You want to speak to us. Speak to us. Lead us. Guide us in the way that we should go. And we are yielded to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you all for coming out tonight in the middle of the week. Good to have you guys back. I will see you all Sunday. God bless you.